Hey, I'm Rashid Finch, and you're listening to the Made by Google podcast. I'm here to introduce you to some amazing people who work on Google's products. In previous episodes, you met Isaac, for example, who works on Pixel's amazing camera system. You also heard from Jesse and Ray, who work on keeping your devices secure. And last week, you met Isabel, who designs many of our products. I learned so much from Isabel about colors, materials, and finishes. And now I also know why fast Wi-Fi is even faster when it's beautiful. If you don't know what I mean by that, then feel free to listen to last week's episode. And while you're at it, why not subscribe to the Made by Google podcast? Because we still have great guests to come until the end of the year. Now, today we have a cracker for you because we're going truly deep inside in a literal sense, pretty much, as we get to find out more about Tensor, the chip inside Pixel that powers pretty much everything that it's famous for. Tensor is a chip that Google designs itself, and I wanted to find out more about why we're doing that. So we're fortunate to have somebody with us today who knows Tensor inside out. It's our Senior Director of Product Management for Silicon, Monica Gupta. Monica, welcome to the Made by Google podcast. It's great to have you. Hi, Rashid. Thanks for having me and uh, super happy to be here. Great. So you're a product manager for Google Silicon Teams. And I know that for people working in Silicon Valley, they probably know what Silicon is. But for listeners that don't exactly understand that, what is Silicon? Uh, Silicon or semiconductors are chips. And when I first started working on chips, I -hmm. did have to tell people it's not like Doritos chips, but semiconductor chips. (laughs) But yeah, I lead product management for Google for our custom silicon uh, in our consumer hardware devices and our flagship product being the Tensor Mobile SoC. Today's guest is Monica Gupta, who knows everything about our Tensor chip, which you could call the heart and soul of Pixel. Monica is a director of product management. And as she'll tell you, there are very important reasons for Google to have its own chip. In short, without Tensor, Pixel wouldn't be what it is today or more specifically, it couldn't do what it can today. Together with Google's AI scientists and researchers, Monica's focus is on making amazingly complicated technology work on a phone. Decisions that she takes today affect our products years from now. You'll also find out how Tensor got its name and why Google doesn't look at benchmarking quite the same way as many others. Talking about computer chips usually isn't easy, but Monica made it a breeze. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. So Monica, what is it that you do then uh, as a product manager for Silicon Teams? I lead the product management for custom silicon inside our consumer devices division. And the flagship of our custom silicon being the Tensor Mobile SoC is the brains of a smartphone. It connects to the camera, to the microphone, to the speakers, to your Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and all the other sensors that you have in a smartphone, and it takes all that information and processes it. So as a product manager for Silicon, while our consumer devices teams are busy planning and launching the next generation of our device, I get to focus on what we need five years from now. So at Google, we have this internal system where you can look up all your coworkers, and then everyone has this like little mission statement in there, right? And yours is unlock Google innovation with AI first Silicon. What did you mean by that when you wrote that? Okay, first off, I wrote that like probably years ago. Uh-huh. So now it sounds kind of dorky now that you read it back to me, but it still <laughs> holds. Um, what I mean by AI first silicon um, is really a nod to Google as a company. We're an AI first company. 
And the reason we are doing custom silicon is to bring that Google AI innovation to the smartphone. And we felt like the only way we could do that is if we had our own silicon. Right. So we make our own chips. I think there are many companies that make Android phones who do not make their own chips. So why did we decide to go a different route? When we looked at what our vision for Pixel was, we just felt like we weren't getting to it fast enough. And we were sort of held back. Google has some of the best machine learning and AI researchers in the world. And we felt like we couldn't bring that to the market in the way or as fast as we wanted to. And so for us, doing custom silicon was a necessity. It was important because without it, we could probably not run all the artificial intelligence that is in Pixel 7 today. There's no reason why we can't bring all of that to the smartphone. But there's a challenge there. The field of machine learning is rapidly evolving. So it's not like you have decades worth of hardened processing units that can run them really well. And it's a rapidly evolving field, right? Mm -hmm. So the only way to keep pace with that rapidly evolving field of machine learning is to design hand in hand, both the silicon architecture and the machine learning models. They have to be co-designed. And uh, that's what really Tensor brings to the table is we know where machine learning models are today, but we also know where they're heading in five years. So we can build our architectures for our chip to keep pace with our machine learning research. And I think that's really the uniqueness of Tensor. And that's what allows us to bring all the innovation that Google has as a company to the Pixel phone. So we then have our own system on a chip, which people know by now is called Tensor, which comes from math, I guess. But why Tensor? The name Tensor really represents for us as a company, ushering in this new era of AI and ML-based computing for smartphones. And like you just mentioned, uh, some of your listeners probably know that Tensor is actually a mathematical building block of machine learning. There's a funny backstory. Anyone that's ever had to name or brand do branding knows mm -hmm. that there's a lot of due diligence that goes into setting a brand name, especially for a big initiative like this one. Taking sure. on custom mobile SOCs is not like some small thing. It was either in 2019 or 2020. The marketing director told me out of frustration in a meeting, hey, naming your chip is harder than naming my firstborn. And I felt so bad for him because you can imagine everybody has an opinion and uh, he has to be the one to do the due diligence, do the legal due diligence, all of it. How we settled on Tensor was actually spearheaded by our CEO, Sundar. He really set the direction. He said, hey, I don't care what you guys pick, but I really need this to truly express this AI and ML-based approach to mobile computing right? That's what we are doing. And our brand needs to represent that. So that's how we came up with Tensor. So you mentioned that uh, a system on a chip is like the brain of the phone. What else does Tensor bring to traditional system on a chip? I would say front and center is the machine learning. If you look inside Tensor, if you look under the hood, we have this thing called a TPU, a Tensor processing unit. So that is the heart of the machine learning engine within our chip. However, machine learning doesn't just run on one block. If you actually deconstruct all the applications and features that Google launches, like computational photography, for example, um, you'll see they actually light up the entire chip. Almost right. every major subsystem uh, is used. And so with Tensor, I would say there are two very unique things. Number one, the actual machine learning engine was co-designed with Google research, right? And all of our history in machine learning. Um, and then second, we were very thoughtful when it comes to this notion of heterogeneous computing. And what that means is every part of the chip is involved in uh, running all these complex things uh, that we are doing. 
And um, so those are like really the two unique things when it comes to Tensor and how it's different from how others may have designed their mobile SOCs. Right. So our chip has a part that is called a TPU and it's great at running all sorts of AI and machine learning magic that researchers at Google have been coming up with over the past few years, I guess, something like that. Well, I would say the past few decades, but yes. A few decades even, right. And is that a main reason to build a TPU? Because then you have teams that do the research and then we have teams that build the chips and those can be lined up and tuned to each other as best as possible. Yeah, we have some of the best researchers in the world when it comes to mm-hmm. AI and machine learning. And we just couldn't bring it to the smartphones as fast as we wanted to. And it was really important for us to work with those researchers and take what you do in the data centers, right? So if you compare a data center and a smartphone, Mm -hmm. in a data center, you essentially have infinite compute capabilities and infinite power compared to something you hold in your hand. And for us, designing Tensor was working with those same researchers and all the innovations they've done in our data centers. And that's a really tough sort of technical problem, right? Like how do you go from infinite compute, infinite power, and bring that down into something that's tiny and can be held in your hand. So the, the main challenge with building Tensor is scaling down, I guess, what what is running in a data center, make sure it works in a way that it doesn't like, I don't know, run out of battery in five minutes or so. Yeah. The bar that we held for ourselves is we don't want to compromise on quality. So you can always take something big and scale it down, right? That's mm-hmm. easy. Anyone can do that. But for us, we wanted to preserve that quality that Google is known for with some of our features and services that we run in our data centers, but we wanted to bring that same quality, but within a power budget that fits inside a phone. So whenever I speak to Googlers who work on hardware, they all tell me hardware is hard in a way. Maybe that's why they they call it hardware. And then doing the chip, as you mentioned, is maybe even harder. So we go through a lot of pain to do that. And then of course, the question is, What kind of benefits the users listening right now uh, have they seen thanks to having Tensor in their Pixel phones? Yeah, I mean, hardware is hard. But uh, (laughs) when you work at a company like Google, it actually becomes a lot easier because we have so much leverage from, right, in terms of software and machine learning. Now, if I look at from a user perspective, Mm -hmm. so what does this all bring to you? There's probably two areas that really stand out for me personally as a user. So number one, and you know, and I haven't always been a Pixel phone user, uh, I'll admit that, uh, but I am now. And um, the number one thing that first immediately stood out to me was the camera, right? right. Like the Pixel camera is just amazing. I went to Bali uh, back in July this year mm-hmm. and uh, it was a group of 10 of us and I was literally the only Pixel user. And by day two, it was actually really annoying. It was flattering and annoying at the same time that the nine other people on the trip kept sending me their photos and they would say things like, can you magic erase this for me? Can you fix this for me? Can you make this look better? Because of course you can imagine Bali setting, lots of sunsets, a lot of challenging light conditions. So the camera is a standout thing. Uh, It is just so good. And everybody sees it, right? Like somehow you become the designated photographer when you go on a trip. The other thing I noticed in everyday life is our speech recognition. And the quality of our speech recognition is so good. It's as good as our data centers, uh, but we can fit it in the power budget of a phone. I hardly ever type anymore. Text messages, I just press on the microphone icon. And I type complicated sentences, complicated responses. It's really easy. And then the other thing is all of our call screening services, I don't know if you use them, but... My goodness, they're amazing. I can be working and I'll have my phone 
on hold for me while I'm trying to do some personal errand or something. Right. And I have to do it during the working hours uh, for whatever, you know, business or whatever that I'm mm-hmm. calling. And to be able to see the menu options right there, to know when it's on hold music versus a live person. Um, and all of that is based on having really good speech recognition on device. And uh, so I would say the camera and the speech recognition are the two standout things for me. Yeah. And that's only possible because we have this TPU that works perfectly well together with whatever Google researchers came up with over the past few decades. If you look at the software that enables a lot of these features I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. whether it's a camera or the speech, it doesn't just run on the TPU. It runs on the entire chip. And that's why this notion of heterogeneous computing is so important. It's not just do you have the fastest individual block. Actually, what's more important is how these blocks interact with each other, because you are literally taking, for example, your speech data or your camera data, and you are moving it across the entire chip. For camera, for example, or videos, um, Mm -hmm. it's like a Christmas tree. You're literally lighting up the entire chip to process photography or videos. Right. Start sounding like team sports then. You need the whole team to be up there in order to make this work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if you're an NBA fan, uh, without mentioning names, there's plenty of examples where uh, one person can't do it all. Um, It's definitely a team sport. Need more than just the MVP, I guess. Now, you were talking about uh, different blocks, and I know there are folks out there who love running benchmarks, which is like putting a car on the German Autobahn and then buying it for the maximum speed, I guess. Uh, And then they come up with certain conclusions, and we say, "Mm, we don't really care about that. So why don't we care as much about classical benchmarks? I think classical benchmarks served a purpose Mm -hmm. at some moment in time, but I think the industry has evolved since then. And if you look at what Google is trying to do by pushing AI innovations into a smartphone, because we feel like this is the approach that will deliver helpful experiences, like some of the ones I just mentioned, classical benchmarks were authored in a time where AI and phones didn't even exist. They may tell some story, but we don't feel like they tell the complete story. And so for us, what we benchmark are the actual software workloads that we are running on our chip. And then we strive with every generation of TensorChip to make them better, whether it's better quality, better performance, lower power. So that's our approach. Classical benchmarks, unfortunately, a lot of times are synthetically engineered workloads. Right. They don't reflect the actual software that's running on the device. And I think that's fundamentally the problem with classical benchmarks, that they might be like some tool, right? If you don't know the actual workloads that will run on your device, there's some tool to give you some kind of indicator, are you trending in the right direction or not? But they don't actually help when it comes to real world software that needs to run on these chips. Right. So better to measure the real world impact rather than just a tiny part of it that maybe reveals a number that is not very relevant for most people who use a device. Yeah. And it's not even tiny. A lot of these benchmarks are synthetic, right? Mm -hmm. They're because you don't have anything else to go off of. Um, But because we're an in-house chip supplier, were what we call vertically integrated, meaning the silicon, the hardware, and the software, and the services all come from Google, we're in a pretty good position to know what should we optimize for, what can be good enough. When you design a mobile SSC, you're probably making hundreds of decisions, right? You don't just say, hey, I just want the best of everything, right? You don't say that. The essence of product management is having the judgment and experience to make the right trade-off calls. You're always going to be forced into that situation. And for us, being vertically integrated makes it really easy. There's no guesswork. We know Mm -hmm. exactly what we are building for. And if that means we're not going to win on benchmarks or not look as great on benchmarks, we're perfectly comfortable with that because the end result speaks for itself. Like on Pixel 6 and Pixel 7, 
you can see all the amazing innovations that we have landed. And a lot of them were like the first on Pixel. So we're very comfortable with that approach. I'm curious about what you just said about being a product manager. And it's basically about prioritizing, like what are we going to do and what are we not going to focus on? How hard is it to do that when it comes to building a chip? Seems like there are a lot of things you can say yes to, but maybe you say no many times. How does it work in practice? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. And especially with silicon, our development timelines are so long. So we're not even just saying yes and no to what we think is needed next year. We're saying mm -hmm. it to what we think is needed like five years from now. And I think there, you just really have to trust. Uh, like I said, it, it's so much easier when you're vertically integrated because I know exactly where machine learning models are trending in five years. I'm not mm -hmm. making decisions based on where machine learning is today. And right. I can say that because I work at Google, right? Same with the software that our software team is doing. I know where the software team wants to take the user experiences five years from now. And that's the benefit of not being a merchant silicon supplier, but an in-house silicon supplier. So those trade-off decisions are very tough, but I think they get a little easier when you're vertically integrated. So is it that maybe a software team knocks on your door and say, hey, uh, Monica, in five years from today, I might want to be able to do this and this, and I need the silicon that can make it sing on the phone. Is, is that like a conversation that could actually happen in practice? Well, it's actually even better than that. So wow. we'll have software folks being like, hey, I want to do this, this, and this. We have researchers that have lots of ideas um, mm -hmm. across Google. And then we also have, of course, the hardware team and the design team that want to push the envelope on those areas as well. So um, yeah, it's pretty fun to be able to sit in a room with all those different functions and brainstorm and just know directionally, we all have clarity of thought directionally where we are headed. Now, Monica, we now uh, arrived at a section we called Made by Numbers, where we ask our guests to bring a number that is important to them or important to the development process that they were just in. We've had a wide array of numbers going from one and a half billion to half a billion to just 100%. So, Monica, I'm really curious, what's the number you brought for us? Yeah, I heard your last podcast and everyone was trying to upnumber each other. Um, I'm not going to exactly. do that. Okay, so the number that I came with is 1,000x. 1,000x. All right. And why is that? So it's really funny. Um, I mentioned before that we work with the same researchers that develop machine learning for Google Cloud, Google data centers. Mm -hmm. And this tensor journey has been, you know, a long one. We didn't start this yesterday. So when I think back to the original days of engaging with Google research, it's really funny because you're talking to people that, like I said, have infinite compute, infinite power compared to a smartphone. And now we're like, hey, bring all your great innovations to this tiny little thing. Um, that fits in your pocket. And 1000X represents like, they think in watts, right? right? Watts is like a, for power consumption. They think in like mm -hmm. that unit, watts. And we're like, no, no, no. We operate in milliwatts, which is a thousand X different. So the amount of power you get to use in your field is a thousand times smaller than what the cloud engineers get to work with. At least. Yes. Right. And uh, it was really funny, just like that first early days uh, conversations where you realize, okay, we come from different worlds. But it was actually quite amazing to see the evolution of now the same researchers that develop for Google infrastructure, big Google, as we like to call it, <laughs> um, how they have literally taken their technology and adapted it to preserve the quality, but at a power budget that works for us in a smartphone. So that makes me curious. So you work on making things from Google Cloud a thousand times more power efficient for use on mobile phones. 
And I'm wondering, does it also go the other way around? So maybe someone who works in cloud says, hey, that thing on, on Pixel is a thousand times more efficient. Maybe we should bring some of that over to the cloud because efficiency is great for anyone, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really like the device people versus the cloud people, right? If sure. you look at the machine learning or AI community within Google, it's one community. Mm-hmm. And um, so if we drove innovation for the Pixel phone, and it's a more efficient way of doing things while preserving quality and things like that, absolutely, it will get adopted everywhere. So it's not like one versus the other. And uh, like even on cloud, like I say, like I joke that it's infinite compute and infinite power, but really everything has a cost to it, right? Of course. So um, serving on the cloud, I mean, there's a cost there. And if there's ways to improve the cost, whether it's to lower like the cooling and the power management, absolutely. But we're like one sort of organization when it comes to machine learning and um, they fully adopt any new innovations everywhere. My favorite feature on Pixel 7 for sure is photo unblur. And that's done something that your silicon intimately is involved in to make that even work. I'm just wondering, do you remember the first time using photo unblur yourself on a phone? And what was your thought when, when you did it? So my cousin, who I haven't seen in since high school, I was about to say mm-hmm. how many years, but I'm not going to date myself. <laughs> she sent me a, a photograph of our trip to India when we were teenagers. And um, it's like me, my brothers, my mom, her mom. And it was really cool to use photo unblur for that. It's just amazing. I mean, you can imagine uh, the cameras back then, right? To take that photo. And it was a really nice moment. Um, she sent me that picture and then I sent her back the photo and blur version of that picture. And what was their response? And of course, amazement. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, she started it, sending me more pictures and I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that Bali trip all over again. Yeah. Right? Uh, as we discussed, you are working on on future versions uh, of our silicon. And I know we cannot go into details because you and I both would get fired probably. But I'm still wondering what would you like our future silicon to be able to do? Yeah, so I would definitely get fired for talking about our future silicon roadmap. Right. But I think um, sort of overall vision for us and for Tensor family is really all about ambient computing. And ambient computing means that the technology is making your life easier. And I think we have a lot of uh, evidence of this that we talked about today, whether it's making photography easier, whether it's making phone calls and how you use your phone, like your day-to-day tasks easier. I would say we build upon that vision of ambient computing and figure out how to do super complex, nuanced things in the chip in a power efficient way that are going to unlock some of those ambient computing experiences. Well, it sounds like we have a exciting future ahead of us. So maybe three, four years ago when today was the future, what kind of experiences uh, were you trying to unlock and that you're probably proud of that are possible today? Maybe in the camera world, for example. So if you look at the camera, even before Tensor, Google had amazing camera innovations thanks to this AI-based approach to photography. We call computational photography. We are known in the industry for that. And now bring Tensor SOC onto the scene. We can just do so much more now when it comes to computational photography and videos. And that's what we did with Pixel 6 and Pixel 7. So for example, like on Pixel 7, like Night Sight, amazing feature invented by Google. Mm -hmm. And uh, where even in low light situations, right, your photos come out amazing. And now with Tensor G2, um, Night Sight runs two times faster. 
So that's a pretty big achievement uh, because you're working in like super tough, low light conditions and um, you're trying to make your photos more beautiful. There's so many things around the camera. Like you can go down to the nitty gritty details of fundamental things, things like focus, autofocus, right? Mm-hmm. Like in typical Google fashion, we throw ML at that problem. Right? Sure. That, that is not the classical way of doing autofocus, but at Google it is. And that's something um, you'll find in Tensor G2. And what does that mean? Does that mean like that we show uh, the chip and the system what faces look like in order to make sure that they can focus on them? That's called face detection. In a photo, what's more important than the face? Right. That's pretty foundational to photography. And last year in Pixel 6, we talked about this face detection model. Again, Mm -hmm. in typical Google fashion, we throw ML at the problem. And um, now on that one, there's actually, if I can geek out for a second... Of course. There's an even more interesting story about machine learning. So face detection, pretty foundational, right? In photography, would you not Mm -hmm. say? Yeah. And then we, as Google, number one, we apply machine learning techniques to do face detection. But the story doesn't end there. If you want to know how we really created face detection, we actually used machine learning to create the ML model for face detection. You, you got to help me out here. So you used ML to create the ML. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> this is what I mean about working at Google when you're an in-house right. silicon supplier. You've got so much ML goodness around the company. So we have this thing called, shoot, I'm not remembering the external name for it right now. Is that auto ML? Yes. That's the external name, auto ML. And the concept behind auto ML like automated ML is Mm. now machine learning is optimizing machine learning models, making them higher quality, making them uh, lower power, more efficient, all of it. So the face detection in Pixel 6 was actually taking advantage of auto ML and um, where ML made ML better. Monica, we ask every guest uh, for their top tips for the road. So, for example, we asked Isaac Reynolds from the Pixel Camera about his top three tips for people who love taking pictures and want to get better at it. Maybe there are people listening who want to become a product manager or who want to become a better product manager. Uh, I'm just wondering, what would you tell those people? What's your tip for the road? Okay, so how to become a better product manager I think for me over my career, I don't know if it was coincidentally or by design, I always ended up working on the new and emerging technologies. So meaning that it wasn't like gen 10 of something, right? It was Mm -hmm. new. It was a clean sheet of paper. There's no playbook. And um, consistently that's been the case over the decades. And I think like with joining Google and working on Google Tensor, I mean, mobile industry is a very well-established market. However, how we are approaching Tensor is very different. And as a product manager, I think working on new and emerging technologies, what it teaches you over the years is number one, to really hone in your analytical skills, Mm -hmm. uh, not fall into the trap of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And the hardest piece is having the bravery to take risk. And I think with Tensor, that's what we've done, right? Like we are changing the paradigm of mobile computing with this chip and we are deviating from the norm and we are leading with AI. We're not leading with benchmarks, for example, and, and I think that takes some bravery and some risk taking, and we're pretty happy with the outcome, right? Like the results speak for themselves, but for product managers, that, that can be a very uncomfortable place to be. So my tip for the road would be take the risk, be brave. That sounds like a great tip. And indeed it made some beautiful hardware possible at Google with Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro powered by Google Tensor G2. Monica, thank you so much for joining us on the Made by Google podcast. It's great talking to you. Thanks for having me. 
well, if there's something Monica did, it is betting on AI and taking a risk there. And I'm glad she did because we're reaping a lot of benefits from that today. It's been great learning more about Tensor. And if there's one thing I'll remember, it is that Tensor is all about making cutting-edge artificial intelligence possible on a mobile device. So that's it for this week's episode. But don't you worry, there's a new one next week. So please take a moment to subscribe to the Made by Google podcast because we'd love to have you again. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Take care and talk to you next week.